So how did y'all like winter coming back in the last week? That was pretty cool, right? You know, we thought, you know, nothing to get too much weirder than 2020. 2021 comes and we get two winters. It's pretty cool. Um, I have been, I love spring. Spring is my favorite season. I love the newness of it. I even love the smell of the manure-soaked mulch that everybody puts out at the beginning of spring. It's just, oh, wait, that what's that smell? Spring's here, yay, you know? And uh, I actually really leaned more into taking care of my yard for some reason during the pandemic. I think I saw that a lot of people were doing home projects, whatever. I can't build anything, but I know how to fertilize. And so that's, so that's what I focused on. So I remember when uh, the, the first kind of opportunity to see what our lawns were going to look like after winter. And man, when I saw my dark green grass, I was like, yeah, there's two empty, unbuilt upon lots on either side of my house, which made my lawn look awesome, by the way. It's like real dark green and then whatever, weeds and stuff. So, But uh, I was actually, I don't know what you do when you take care of the grass. I, I like to listen to music, or I might listen to an audiobook or podcast, but I, I will promise you, my mind usually wanders a lot when I'm mowing or raking or weed eating, and I think of a lot of things, and I had this moment where I'm like, oh, spiritual truth just entered my mind because of what I'm doing right now, and I want to share it with you, but I want to also back it up before I share it with you and tell you what caused it to happen. What caused it to happen is I thought about this thing that Jesus experienced that is kind of unusual. I may have maybe only preached from this passage one other time, um, but it's, a, it's about a time when he went back to his hometown and what he experienced there. So I want to read to you from Mark chapter 6, just the first six verses that describes his experience. It's kind of, Jesus has already begun his public ministry. He's super popular. Great things are happening. Miracles are happening. There's a, there's a movement beginning where more and more people are saying, this could be, maybe this actually is the Messiah, the Son of God that was prophesied about. So all that's going on, and then he goes to Nazareth, his hometown. And here's what it says in Mark 6, starting in verse 1. It says, he went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joses, and Judas, and Simon? And not, are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Just, you know, some minor league miracles, you know. Like, well, give me some of that too. And listen to this, last verse, it says, And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went out among the villages teaching. Now, here is the spiritual truth that kind of hit me as I'm mowing my lawn, raking my lawn, and thinking about this as it came to my mind, and I know it sounds cheesy, but here goes. Faith is the fertilizer that causes miracles to grow. Oh, good, thanks, amen. <laughs> uh, 
bet it wasn't boo or cheesy or whatever. No, th- this is something I thought, you know, as I thought about it, I thought, I know what I'm trying to say. I'm not sure if it's a good, accurate analogy or not, so I need to dig in more. And the more I dug in, I'm like, I really believe this is a helpful statement. That, that faith is something we need to be putting into action now before we need a miracle, before we're asking for the big thing. And, and, and let me just kind of back up and look at this passage with you and grab a few things out of it that I think help support this. The first thing is kind of the big thing to me, that's like the biggest thing that jumps out in this passage is this. There is an undeniable correlation between my faith and God's miracles. It's undeniable. It's right there. I mean, you just can't argue against it. And it's not the only time that that the Bible sort of builds that connection between your faith and the miracles that God can do. But this is probably the most explicit version of it, where those dots are clearly connected. It's almost as if it's almost as if Nazareth became a dead zone for supernatural activity because of what was going on there. Like he, it's almost like he couldn't do mighty works there. But now, I don't believe that to be true. I believe God can do anything, anytime, anywhere as he pleases. I believe that with all my heart. But somehow the way God has built this reality in which we exist, it's like faith goes before the miracles. It seems to be the pattern we see throughout Scripture. You know, we see him connecting the dots here, but it even, it, it's even collected, uh, connected in a more explicit way in Matthew's version of this account. He tells the same story, but he, he says something a little bit more bluntly. In Matthew 13, 58, it says, and he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. There it is, right? Like, he did not do many mighty works because specifically of their unbelief. You just can't deny the relationship that exists between our faith, your faith and my faith, and the mighty works of God. There is a relationship there, and we can't deny that. Here's the second thing. Only two things cause Jesus to marvel. That's the word used here in the English standard version of, of of this passage. Only two things cause Jesus to marvel. Lack of faith where you'd expect it, and much faith where you don't expect it. And I'll get to that last one in a minute, but the first one is very clear here. By the way, marvel is just, uh, that's, a, that's a good English word there. It's a wonder to be amazed at. You, you almost experience, it's that facial expression of like, <laughs> like I'm shocked, I'm amazed, I don't know what's happening here, I can't believe this. You're in awe of it. And that was Jesus. And there's only two times in the entire Bible where it describes Jesus as marveling, and this is one of them. He marveled, as it says in Mark 6, 6, he marveled because of their unbelief. So it's like, I'm shocked. There should be faith here, but there's not. I was thinking about this earlier. I'm from Harlan County in southeastern Kentucky, and when you drive in there, you're going to see a sign that says, the, the hometown of Jordan Smith, I believe, I hope I'm getting his name right. I don't watch The Voice, but he won The Voice. So he is heralded there in Arlen County like, yay, this is where Jordan, he don't live here now, but he's from here, you know. And so Jesus didn't even seem to get that kind of treatment in Nazareth. He's, he's now in his, in his 30s. 
And all they could see was snotty-nosed Jesus. Hey, wouldn't that Josie's and Simon Judas's brother? I mean, his sisters go to church here. I mean, who's this guy? Who's he think he is? That's kind of what the vibe I get here. And he marveled that in his hometown, Jesus is known as Jesus of Nazareth. But he goes to Nazareth, and he can't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. But the other time in the Bible that we see Jesus marveling, that he's shocked, that he's in awe, happens in a completely different scenario. A Roman soldier approaches him and asks him to heal his child. Ask him to heal. And, and Jesus is like, yeah, take me to them. And he's like, nope, that won't be necessary. I'm a Roman centurion. I oversee a hundred Roman soldiers. If I say something happens, it gets done. So all you have to do is say it, and I know it will be done. And here's what it says in Matthew 8.10. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. There it is again, the other time he marveled. And said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. He found faith in an unexpected place. Much faith. A Roman soldier. Roman government who were to believe that Caesar was actually God. And yet, something about this man's story gave him a different preconceived notion than what the people of Nazareth had. He believed that Jesus had way more power than he did. And man, if me being an earthly uh, ruler of soldiers can snap my finger and things get done, then I know this guy named Jesus can do whatever he thinks it'll happen. That's pretty cool. And it makes me ask this question. Do I make Jesus ever marvel? And as soon as I ask it, I, I, if I had to choose which way I make him marvel, I bet I know what it is, to be honest with you. I'm probably a lot more like Nazareth than I'm willing to admit. I've grown familiar with the lyrics that we just sang this morning. I've grown a little familiar with the stories of the Scriptures. They're becoming a little bit common. My expectations are, for some reason, lowered more than they ought to be lowered. And maybe it's happened to you too. And I don't want to be like Nazareth. I don't want to hear someone ever say, Jesus did not do many mighty works because of His unbelief. I don't want that to be said of me. So one last thing that I pull from this, and it's, I think, a lot more implied. It's, 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 not, it's not very obvious, but I think it's a line that we can draw because of when we think about the comparison between Nazareth and, and between this Roman centurion, I believe we can say that the fertilizer we need to lay down is our daily walk with Jesus before we even need a miracle. It begins now. Today, before you face the giant... Before you see a mountain that must be moved, before you're caught between an Egyptian army and a Red Sea and you're not sure how you're going to get across that sea, before that happens, we start laying down fertilizer right now. We start building faith now. You know, when I laid down my pre-winter fertilizer, that was back in, in, in maybe early November at the latest. I didn't see results till March. Just threw this speck of stuff all over the place, and then that was it. Saw no results. In fact, if anything, my grass looked worse after that. 
But months later, the fact that I applied it months ago before winter came, the results came later. And that's how we have to live our lives daily, the daily grind. When you go to school, when you go to work, when you do the day-to-day grind, but you still apply faith daily. You walk with Jesus in the little things. You take him with you when you go to Kroger, when you go to the drive through line, when you, when you play your sport, when you go to the classroom, when you sit in the cubicle, when you Zoom call at home, whatever it is you're doing, that you bring Jesus with you in all of that. He, you're immersed in a walk with Jesus, and that changes everything. That's the fertilizer. And we have to do that now before we even ask for the giant to fall. Before we ask for the mountain to move, that's where the real living is. That's where real faith exists. And like I said before, Nazareth, I I just wonder if they weren't applying any faith fertilizer at all. All they could remember was little Jesus that they watched grow up, and they probably saw him. You know, I I can't even imagine. Oh, yeah, I remember that pubescent Jesus. I don't know what that even looked like. Did he have zits? I mean, he was human, maybe. I don't know. Maybe he didn't. (laughs) But all they can remember is this preconceived notion of Jesus. They had no expectations, no thought of him doing anything great. But then the Roman centurion, we don't know his backstory, but something happened in his life where by the time he approached Jesus, he already knew, he already knew and expected him to do great things. We need to get what he did. We need to get to where he was. And I believe this is the way we do it. And so I want to give you a couple of questions to ask yourself that I think is going to help us to apply faith fertilizer in our lives starting today, right now today. The first question is this. Today, what do you need to believe that God can do? Now, it might be for anyone watching, listening online, for someone in this room, it might be you can name the giant that needs to be slain, you can name the mountain that needs to be moved, and it's big stuff. It might be. There might be some big stuff. But if you don't, that's great. Because what I'm getting at is it can be something tiny. Like you're still looking for that earring. It's like, where did that, how can one, you got a a box full of just one earring that have no matches. Lord, help me find that earring that's so special to me. I know that sounds silly, but do you you lean into God for that kind of stuff too? Do you? And then I was actually, I have this thought every now and then where it hits me. It's kind of cool that there's this long-standing tradition to pray before we eat. I used to be like, Okay, listen, I, I, I hate it when people get really legalistic about stuff like, oh, no, I just ate 10 fries and I didn't pray. I'm going to have food poisoning now. No, that's not how it works. God ain't like that. That's not how God works at all. But it is a cool thing that we pause. And even if it's like, you know, Lord, bless this grater's ice cream. Uh, may it miraculously make it low calorie, Lord, whatever, you know. Uh, but, but it is like, isn't it a blessing that we have our daily bread? Like, shall we never take for granted that I have it right here in front of me? Listen, you don't know how rich you are in this place. And, and, and we have the provision of God right there before. So many blessings right there. What do you need to believe that God can do? Even if it's just believing he provides, I believe he personally provided this meal for me that I'm about to believe, 
I, I, was, I, hadn't, I wasn't too sore today, and, and, and I felt good walking around. God made that happen. Do you believe He made that happen? I believe when you start believing in the things going on in your life are all about God, then you're ready to see Him do something bigger. And that He can and will do something bigger. And then here's another question. Today, what do you need to thank God for already doing? It's kind of the same question, but in a different way. Like, I know there's some things that he, you, you would ask him to help you with right now, but what has he already done? What is it that you can give him credit for that you have not given him credit for yet? I think we miss those things, and it's because of that that our faith gets pretty small. Because we're not seeing what he's already done. We, we haven't given him praise for the, bit, for the little things and the medium things. And even seeing those things that we, most people might think are little as huge. God did this. He made this happen. I can't help but think of my mama, as I called her all my life. We renamed her Gigi when we had kids, short for great-grandmother. So our kids knew what to call her. And what an amazing life she lived. I would not be standing here if it weren't not for my mama. But what I watched in her life was way before she got a cancer diagnosis, she was giving thanks for just God helping her pay her bills. They're just the little stuff. Like she saw God in every little provision, every little thing that happened in her life. So when cancer showed up, she still smiled in the face of it. And she was quick to tell everybody that was treating her that what's really going to make a difference is I've got thousands of people all over southeastern Kentucky and Tennessee praying for me. And I never will forget when she told the story that she was going to get a scan. She was doing great at this point, but she was going to get a scan to take a measurement of a tumor. And she came home and said, the doctors were amazed. There was no tumor it's just gone. But she goes, I know why it's gone. We know why it's gone. And I remember celebrating that miracle. And then almost instantly, you can almost start taking it for granted, like almost next day. But here's the thing. Her story years and years later was a battle of the after effects of that treatment she had. She had such a low immune system. And she worked as the head cafeteria lady of a public high school with a low immune system. We didn't realize how much in danger she was, but she worked for many years after that in that place. But ultimately, the time came when her body was succumbing to pneumonia. She'd beat pneumonia a time or two, but I remember visiting in her hospital, and she just smiles and has faith and has peace, and you know what? She's still believing in a miracle, but it's a totally different miracle that I take for granted today too, is that she knew very soon she would actually see Jesus. The Jesus she walked with in the minuscule grind of daily life before she saw him move a crazy mountain of cancer, and now she's going to get to see his face. That, that's the fertilizer that we lay down. It's just this daily walk with Jesus where we watch for Him all around us. What's He doing? 
I'm sure there's something I've not thanked him for that he's already done even today. That mindset changes everything, friends. That's living. That's living by faith. And I wonder if we really do it well, even on our best day. You know, if you're like me, I'm deeply convicted by this idea that I might be way too much like Jesus' hometownies, not expecting him to do much, and maybe even explaining it away when he does. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to believe for the big and the little things that he's doing every day. I want to see it. I want to acknowledge it. And it's going to take some work because I'm too busy with my own little stresses and trying to do it myself all the time. I'm going to have to take some time to do this, but by His grace and with lots of prayer and effort, I'm hoping that I will be a lot more like my mamma and will believe that everything that's happening around me each and every day is Jesus at work. That's the faith fertilizer. Now, what do we do with this? You may be watching and listening online. You may be here in this room right now. And you really have not even tried to live this way yet. It's so easy for us to make Christianity a box we check. I believe in God. I believe that Jesus died for me. I asked him to forgive me of my sins and save me. And by the way, if you've not done that yet, I invite you to do that today. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He died for you so that you can live forever with him. So call upon his name and ask him, and he will forgive you of your sins. But that is, the the Bible speaks a whole lot more about what your life is like here before you get to heaven. It tells a whole lot more about that, and it is a walking with him day-to-day life. And you may have just rendered Jesus as some boxes that you've checked off, but you've not really been walking with him intimately. And I invite you into that starting today. That's the fertilizer. And again, you're going to start applying it. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray, you know. And I'm, you know, you may not be like, wow, Bill, Bill made the Bible's a great sermon, but I'm not seeing any results yet. Wait for it. Wait for it. Do it every day. Do it every day. Do it every day. And you start watching what's going to happen. Isn't that what we notice about life anyway? With our lawns, with any kind of task, any kind of journey we're on, you got to wait for it. You'll eventually see the summit and see the view and like, wow, look at what God has been doing all this time. The daily walk with Christ is worth the wait. So start today. Something tells me you'll see some pretty good results quickly. But you know, when the giant showed up, in Israel's life, and David comes along, one of the coolest things he said was, I remember. I remember when God delivered me from the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion. So I'm going to go after this giant. I'm not scared. That's what we need to work towards by applying fertilizer now. Trusting in him to walk with you in your life and all this family stuff that you're going through and all the, the, the work that you're doing and the schoolwork you're doing and all the fun stuff you're even doing, all the, the flows and rhythms and circles of life that you're involved in. Bring Jesus with you into that and believe in him. Let me go back to those questions. Today, what do you need to believe that God can do that you've yet to believe he can do? No matter how tiny it is, or how huge it is. And then today, what do you need to thank God for already doing? 
Before we pray, I'm going to speak two verses over you that are amazing. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to him now. Will you bow with me? Lord, our Father in heaven, you are awesome. Help us to not be like Nazareth. We ask that you would be marveling, but not at our unbelief, but at our unexpected faith, God. I believe you're looking for people to shock you in a better way. And I hope that it happens here in this room or or in the home or in the car or in the workplace or wherever people are watching and listening to this right now, that in that very moment, that they would start to just throw a little faith fertilizer out, saying, oh God, I believe you, you, you can do this. This thing I've been worrying about, this thing I've been concerned about, I believe you can actually do it. And God, help us to to do that because even building our faith is something we can't do. Help our unbelief, oh God. And Father, in this room or someone watching or listening right now may have never taken their very first step of faith with you. And they know now is the time. Your spirit has been knocking on the door of their heart for some time, and it's time. It's time to go through that door. It's time for them to open that door to you. May they pray to you now and just cry out to you and say, Save me, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. Lord, I pray that you help everyone who prays that prayer to know that starting today, they are a new creation, and they are your child forever. Lord, thank you that you've made all that possible, Father. Lord, as we continue to worship you now, help us to take a next step towards you, to walk with you in a more intimate way than when we first walked in these doors, when we first logged on online. And we pray it in Jesus' name.